Welcome to the Tuscarawas County Anti-Drug Coalition podcast, bringing you open and honest conversations about resources in Tuscarawas County. Now here's your host, Jody Salvo. Hi, this is Jody Salvo with the Tuscarawas County Anti-Drug Coalition. Um, we're glad you're joining us this week for our podcast with Christy Wilkin. Christy is the facilitator of the Tuscarawas County Survivors of Suicide Support Group. Um, Christy is a suicide prevention advocate, and she's a three-time um, survivor of suicide loss. And you know what? I'm just really blessed that we have Christy here this week. She plays a vital role here in the county. And in the midst of holiday season, COVID, um, the crazy stress, I think that's really placed on everybody. Um, we really do have to recognize that there are people that are really struggling right now, way more than normal, um, that there's just a lot of loss everywhere. And if someone struggles with thoughts of suicide, this is just a really rough time. So I want to just thank Christy for coming today. And I would really like just to introduce you, let you tell us a little bit about who you are and why you do what you do. And then we can talk about how people can access resources. For anyone that's watching the podcast today, I know this looks a little bit unusual. Um, I'm quarantined as of right now. So Christy was um, kind enough to come into the studio and Josh to make this happen. So hope this looks okay and works all right. But again, Christy, thanks for working with us. And go sure. ahead and tell us a little bit about yourself. I'm from Newcomerstown, and I lost my dad to suicide in 1997. He was fighting cancer at the time, and I guess being uneducated about suicide loss, I just assumed when he took his own life that it was because he knew that he was terminal. Um, how I wished I would have dug into it more, but in 97, there were no suicide support groups. There wasn't really a lot of help out there. It was a small town. Uh, my mom chose to sweep it under the carpet, and we went from there. So fast forward to 2011, um, when my husband took his life, um, we knew he had some issues. We thought he was working through it. We thought we were doing all the right things. Um, he just had too many things piling up on him. He had ha also had cancer when he was 22 and was a guinea pig at the National Institutes of Health in Bethesda, Maryland, had a series of many, many drugs. They basically told him, young man, if uh, you can handle the drugs, we can save your life. Mm -hmm. He had had many concussions in football. He was a standout football player for Newcomerstown in high school. Um, he also um, had genetic issues. He was the fourth person in his family to die by suicide. He was just, he worried about everything, not the normal things that you and I worry about, but things that probably were never going to happen. Um, we got him on some medicine and um, thought that that would help, but it just, he had too many things pile up and he wouldn't go for help. And that's yep. the big thing with me is um, now, knowing what I do now, getting help. I mean, getting help is the most important thing you can do. Um, I recently talked to a young man here about three weeks ago that had a lot of the same issues that my husband had, and we broke it down, and we talked about each issue and how we could fix it, and that young man 
did go get some professional help as well. I helped arrange that. I helped arrange some help with his finances that he was having problems with. And one half an hour call changed his life. So for that, I am very grateful to be able to do that. Chrissy, I I thank you for sharing just some of the loss that you've experienced. And and I said it right before we kind of jumped on air today. Um, I don't think anyone would want to be prepared the way you have been prepared. Um, But I really appreciate, and we all do, that you're taking those losses. and, And I am confident that Every day is still probably challenging, and I'm confident there's a lot of work that you had to do to get where you're at right now. But um, you also know things that most people never would about the importance of conversation and opening up and getting help and Mm -hmm. getting support. So I just want to say thank you for being willing to use those losses to help other people. Um, Can you tell us a little bit about if someone has someone in their life struggling with depression or if someone themselves is listening and struggling with depression, what do you do? Well, for, it took me a while to get where I'm at today. I mean, when I lost my husband to suicide, that is when I got involved in the suicide support group that I'm now the facilitator of. After about three years, I knew I was ready to help people. And that's when I took many of the trainings that I have right now. I'm a gatekeeper instructor, which is someone that can help others recognize the signs and symptoms. I'm a mental health first aider. So with all that combined, what I do now is my information is pretty much out there. I think everybody knows I'm one of the leading suicide prevention advocates in Tuscarawas County. And that's because I don't want anybody else to go through what my families went through. But it is very important if you're struggling in any way to reach out to someone. I mean, it can be a friend that you trust, a coworker, somebody that you know is going to help you get the help that you need. Um, a lot of people call me um, just to talk because they're struggling. I have a lot of family members. I would say it's more family members that contact me because somebody in their family is struggling. I've talked to the family, supported the family all the way through the professional help because that's one thing. I am not a professional. I do this because I don't want anybody else to go through it. I can talk to you. I can support you, but I want you to get the help that you need. And I'm trained to be able to know where to get that help. So that's the main thing that I do. And as far as... um, If you know somebody that's struggling right now because of the extra quarantines, the pandemic, you need to reach out to that person too. I mean, if you know. Okay. So, man, I hear a lot of things when you're speaking. There's support for those who've already lost someone. Mm -hmm. There's support for those family members that are watching someone still struggle through this issue. Mm -hmm. And then there's persons that are struggling themselves. Are those kind of the three? Mm -hmm. I would say so. Okay. Um, When you get a call from somebody, say a family member who's watching someone struggle, what, what are those next steps? I get with um, the person struggling and the family member right away. We sit down, I go to them 
and immediately as soon as I okay. can make it happen. And we sit down and we talk about the issues that they're facing. And we kind of break those down and decide the best course of getting help for that person. Um, but I always do like to have the family member that's contacted me involved if the person struggling will permit that. Because okay. I just like to have that extra person that knows what, what I've suggested and maybe if I can't make it happen, which that doesn't happen very often. Usually if I try to get people help, they they take it. But there has been those couple times where they've decided the next day they're fine and they don't need help. And for me, that's that's disappointing. But, you know, I know that I've done everything I can do. But I like having a family member or a support person involved. So if they don't come back to me, they will go to that person. Okay. So I'm looking at Josh on the screen here. Mm -hmm. So I think at the bottom of our, the video podcast, maybe we can put Christy's contact information because it sounds like that's how this process starts. Mm -hmm. Call Christy and then you're willing to go out to meet with people clearly, mm -hmm. um, you know, following guidelines from the county here as right. far as social mm -hmm. distancing and stuff like that. But exactly. it's as easy as a, a phone call at first. Mm -hmm. And then you clearly have been well-trained and you work with the Adams board. Mm -hmm. um, so you do know those community resources as right. far as here's the crisis line. Here's Ohio Guidestone community mental health. And one other thing, when we, when my group got really involved with the gatekeeper training and we knew uh -huh. we were going to recommend resources, our group actually sat down with every mental health agency in Tuscarawas County and we interviewed them and asked yeah. questions because we wanted to know like how soon people could get in somewhere. So we knew if somebody was suicidal, what to do. If we had a teenager that was suicidal, where was the best place? Um, so we, um, there's probably a few mental health agencies that think, boy, <laughs> they're pretty tough. But, you know, <laughs> if we're going to do this, we want to make sure that we have the resources needed. Absolutely. Um, you know what? When you just brought up young people, I know it's been really tough on our, it's been tough on everybody. But um, have you been seeing some increased calls on young, young people late, lately? And any recommendations you have for parents, adults in the community? Yes, I just think, and I have had a lot of calls, and I think that parents just need to be open to realizing, you know, that it is possible that their child could be struggling. They're not seeing their friends. A lot of the sports activities have been postponed or maybe canceled. And I just, I know for me, when I was a teenager, and this was years ago, school was my social life. You know, that was before Facebook and things like that, which I'm not sure Facebook is the greatest way to socialize for teenagers these days. That can make things harder. But I just, I feel for these kids that maybe too don't have a good home life. And that's more what I'm seeing right now with the teens. It's more the ones that, that don't have the best circumstances at home. But yet, suicide can happen to anybody, correct? Absolutely. It can happen to the rich kids, the poor kids, and everybody in between. I mean, nobody is immune to struggling, suicide, mental illness. And mental illness can be as simple as depression. And I don't think there is one person that can ever say, I've never been depressed. 
But if you take the steps to get help, if you reach out to somebody, you're probably going to go on to live a normal life. But with the Hope Squad, too, why it's so important to me is those kids are getting the coping skills that they need for college when they go away from home. They're away from their mom and dad. You know, they're not that A student that they were at Newcomerstown. They're not, you know, as popular. So to me, the more you can reach out, the more resources you have, the more people that will listen, I think that is the best thing ever. Okay. Heard a couple things. One is help is available and it works. Mm -hmm. Um, The other one that I just kind of maybe want you to talk about a little bit more, Mm -hmm. I think there's a lot of misinformation around or uncomfort, discomfort around conversation about suicide. Um, I've heard people think if they talk about it or ask those questions, they might think they're putting it in someone's head. Kind of talk to us a little bit about how do we talk to our young people? What might be signs or symptoms we might look at for anybody? Um, and then how might we address those? Um, I actually speak on this every semester at Indian Valley to the freshman kids that are in health classes for Mr. Bell. And we talk about this a lot. Um, I stress that talking about it doesn't make it happen. It's not going to plant that idea in your head. If you've already been thinking about it, you know, this is the time to bring it out to talk about it. Um, If you suspect somebody's struggling, you just need to come right out and ask them, are you thinking about taking your life? And that'll open up a conversation to give you peace of mind that they're not, or if they are, you need to get immediate help. But with teenagers, I think the biggest signs are drug use, maybe alcohol, somebody that's always been really neat and, and, you know, stylish and they've went the other way and maybe are coming to school in their sweats and their sweatshirts, or it can be completely the opposite. You know, somebody that did never really fix themselves up that now, you know, they're wearing the, the perfect jeans and the perfect boots and the perfect sweater. Um, Two, isolating themselves can be a sign. But on the other hand, if they've been a shy person and they're now suddenly outgoing, that can be a sign too. If you see any difference in their personality or the way they communicate, that, you know, it's a warning signal and it's worth you taking a minute to reach out and say, hey, you know, what's up? Sounds good. So just, and, and we have this conversation a lot around substance use, and I think you kind of hit it. All these issues can kind of get wrapped up into one big ball. So if you're seeing noticeable changes, mm-hmm. start asking questions, dig right. in a little bit. Right. Now, let me ask you, because you had mentioned a husband and a father, does suicide symptoms, warning signs, do they look different? And maybe men versus women, young people versus old, older adults? Um, Sadly, with men, they don't like to reach out. They don't want anybody to know they're struggling. They want to be that macho football player they were in high school, that businessman that's, you know, holding it all together, even though they're struggling inside. Definitely, I think that men do not reach out. Um, You know, they think there's a stigma there. Where I, women are more apt to reach out. 
definitely, you know, and the, the signs are different. And I can tell you, um, suicide is um, increasing in the age group that I'm in. The middle-aged woman, definitely. It's raising in all, obviously, yeah. you know. And I, I think a lot of that, too, is um, we can't grieve death. You know, people are dying of COVID. They're dying of other things. And here we are. We can't grieve like we need to. We can't get out. We can't socialize. So, you know, it's just all just a big, you know, mess. <laughs> well, I think you hit on something that when when we had talked about you coming on today, it's just the whole impact of COVID holidays, suicide. Um, what do you, what do you have to offer on that whole issue? Um, I think that people need to stay as social as they can in any way that they can. You know, if you're feeling down, you can call me, you can call a friend, you know, just talking can sometimes completely take whatever was bothering you and put it in a whole nother perspective. On the other hand, if you have an elderly neighbor, you know, call them, say, hey, can I go to the store? Can I get you something? I'll put it on the porch. And two, a handwritten note or letter never goes out of style as far as I'm concerned. So I think that's a good way to reach out to people too. Now with my suicide support group, we have our own Facebook page and we haven't been able to really meet regularly since March. So I am constantly telling them, you know, reach out to somebody on the page, reach out to me, just stay connected. It's so important if you're a part of any support group right now, whether it is online or not, find a way to keep in touch with those people, group text, whatever. That's the most important thing you can do to get through the holidays because they're going to be very different this year for a lot of people. And I'm, I'm confident being a survivor of suicide holidays this year just must, it's, must really be tough, you know, where, you know, we don't have those connections to parties or events or bigger family get togethers. Um, and for so me, I'm, go ahead. And for me too, I'm working from home. <laughs> you know, I'm a very active person, you know, that has had tons of support and a lot of that's come from work. And now I'm working from home. And, th and that's another thing that a lot of people are facing that they're not used to. They've spent many years, you know, getting up and going to work. So if you are working from home, I suggest you get up and get ready and do your normal morning routine. And I think just staying on that routine is going to be a big thing to help you too if you are in that kind of situation. How about any tips for coping with the holidays, um, especially I, survivors of suicide? Um, well, the tips that I usually tell every Christmas aren't necessarily going to work this year. Um, because I've always said uh, getting through the holidays, I know for me, um, I was married on Christmas Eve, my daughter was married on Christmas Day, and my first grandchild was born on December 22nd. When Tom passed away, through support group and learning coping skills, that first year we changed up a lot of traditions. My grandson sat where my husband normally sits. We had a whole different menu. You know, we hung an ornament 
in his honor on the Christmas tree, and we do that every year. Now, I still, you can still do things like that, but as far as, you know, if you're not going to see family and friends, um, yes, FaceTime, you know, do whatever you can to stay in touch. Don't, don't be alone. Reach out. So people that have not lost someone, I guess the challenge is to be mindful of those that are experiencing loss or have experienced loss during this time. Like you said, a letter, a a note, Mm -hmm. um, just kind of a phone call to say, here I am. Right. Um, Okay. And a couple things I heard you speak about, maybe women might be more apt to kind of share I'm struggling. Um, Just a reminder for everyone out there. Um, you can do, you can get support in so many different ways. You can get help in so many different ways from calling a Christie, joining support groups to accessing counseling, um, counseling. I think sometimes people might think there's barriers during COVID. You can do it anyway right now. You can call and have telecounseling. You can counsel via, uh, social, um, a Zoom meeting, stuff like that. You can do in-person counseling in many of our agencies. So if someone's struggling, feeling depressed or not feeling themselves, you, to definitely reach out to get help is very important. And there's always um, the suicide hotline too, 1-800-273-TALK. Perfect. So when people call that, are they going to, what, do, what happens? Um, They will go to our local crisis hotline in Tuscarawas County, and that is manned 24 hours a day, and somebody will talk with them and assess what they feel is needed, and they'll get them the help they need that way, too. Sometimes people don't want to reach out to somebody they know. Now, to me, you know, I want to reach out to a friend, a coworker, someone like that, but especially men and a lot of other people can be private people, and they probably think, I'll just call there. (laughs) And that works too. I mean, that's why it's there. We want people to use it. I think that just kind of hits that whole stigma issue. Do you have anything you want to say to people about stigma? Um, Stigma is not my favorite word. (laughs) I (laughs) I don't like the stigma around mental illness. It makes it so hard for people to go get help. Um. Just because you have a mental illness, which can be depression, does not mean you're not a functioning, normal person. You are. Everybody struggles. I mean, I struggle every day, but here I am still doing what I can to help other people so they don't go through this. Um, That is my biggest thing with suicide prevention is... I work very, very hard in the field to make the stigma go away. That's why we have our suicide prevention walks every year mm-hmm. and things such as the Tusky, the whole Tusky Valley Hope Squad. My dream would be if every school in Tuscarawas County and Carroll County had, well, everywhere had a Hope Squad. I can just not say enough. That Hope Squad is going to help those kids their whole adult life. And maybe they're going to help somebody, too, from learning what they've learned to cope. I think one of the beautiful things about that as well is when we talk about stigma, I think it's our generation, that older generation that Mm. feels, I 
don't know what it is, you know, that there's some shame and asking for help. But I think you said it so clearly. We all struggle, mm-hmm. each one of us. And if you haven't yet, you will. So reaching out for help is not a sign of weakness. No, It's just a sign of, hey, let's get this addressed and, and let's go forward in a more healthy way. So I love that our young people are learning at a very young age. It's completely good, normal, right for us to reach out and get help and help each other and point people to services um, that are effective. So I think that's pretty neat as well. Well, Christy, I honestly, I think there's so many issues that we can talk about, mm-hmm. but uh, I think we're running out of time. So any quick takeaways that you want us to leave with today? Just if you are struggling in any way, please reach out for help. I will be more than happy to help you day or night. I have a couple other gatekeeper people that um, can help too. We kind of work on if you've lost a son, if you've lost a husband, if you've lost a brother, we kind of work that way. We want to make sure you get with the person that you feel the most comfortable with. And those people are Pam Lighty and Jen Dotto. And they are kind of my... people that we all work together. We have a great bond. Um, We do a lot of trainings together. So I just, for any reason, reach out to a professional, reach out to us. We'll help you get there and we will get you the right support person to walk with you every step of the way till you feel that you can do it on your own. Perfect. And I know this isn't the ideal time during COVID, but I know y'all are willing to go out to organizations, meetings, mm-hmm. businesses, and kind mm-hmm. of talk about um, suicide supports, resources right. um, that's also available. And I know you sent out the national um, suicide hotline, but there's also a text one, correct, for young people? Yes, but I don't know that often. Okay, that's, <laughs> that's fine. I'm just kind of throwing out that there is also a resource for young yeah. people to use yes. and text and that might be a modality they're more comfortable with. Right, exactly. Connecting with a professional. Very good. Mm-hmm. Well, Christy, I appreciate you. I appreciate the work you do. Um, I just encourage any of our listeners that if they know someone's struggling or if they're struggling to get help, the help and resources are there. On the bottom of the podcast, we'll have your contact information. If anyone would want to reach out, uh, Christy clearly understands this subject well. And she's been well-trained and she knows the resources here in Tuscarawas County and can point you in the right direction if need be. So Christy, I thank you for Mm -hmm. all you do. I pray that uh, you just have a um, safe and and healthy holiday season. And, um, you know, our thoughts are with you because I know it's still hard for you even after Mm -hmm. all these years, um, but loss is loss. So Thank you for your work and your time. And listeners, uh, thank you for listening today. And we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Tuscarawas County Anti-Drug Coalition podcast. Please follow us on Facebook and visit our website at adctusk.org.